0: Yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, motherfucker. Shut up, I'm talking.
1: Shut up, I'm talking.
0: So, um, before we were friends, you moved to Los Angeles. How old were you when you uh, moved to Los Angeles?
1: I was 20.
0: Wow. You can remember back that far.
1: Well, it's kind of a guess, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It 20. was 1987.
0: You're struggling on right? the math of 20. 88. What year were you born?
1: Uh, that one? Uh, uh, no.
0: Uh, 68? No, it
1: was 88. It was 88.
0: You had 20 years to your year of birth. I
1: know. I'm telling you. So it's goddamn it was damn difficult. when I did
0: it. God Jesus God. Christ. 1988. I hadn't even graduated high school yet. I'm so much younger than you. But Anyway. Uh, so you're 20 years old. So you moved to Los Angeles, 1988. I
1: went to, I went to the promised land. I sold everything I had and just moved there. Yes. I didn't know anybody, never been there, just left.
0: Now, what was your purpose in going?
1: To go, you know, be a rock star, be in, living the life.
0: Had you been in a band?
1: Yeah, I had been in bands.
0: All right, what were the bands? I mean, did you play or did you play out? Or was it mostly like, you know, somebody's basement or what?
1: Before or after I went there.
0: Before? Like house nothing. parties or something?
1: Yeah, nothing uh, big.
0: So you're, you're thinking, I've done house parties, now I'm ready for the big time.
1: That's exactly.
0: All right, so you moved to Los Angeles. How did you get there? You flew? You drive? Bus?
1: I flew. Uh, yeah, this is before the internet. Sure. And I went and uh, got an L.A. phone book around Hollywood, and then started calling places to uh, rent an apartment.
0: Was that once you got to Los Angeles or before?
1: No, this is before because I didn't ah. want to show up there without somewhere to go.
0: Makes sense. You know what I mean? Sensible so, planning.
1: Exactly. You know, I'm not a lunatic. So I found this place. It was right around the corner from the Chinese Theater, right off on North Sycamore. Man's. Yeah, man's Chinese Theater. There's only one. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh, man, okay. <laughs> no, the other one.
0: Woman's? Just derail
1: my whole thing.
0: All right. So
1: anyway, <laughs> right. You're know that kid that we get riding the riding along on a bicycle, and you just jab a
0: stick to the spokes, <laughs> and just to watch them flip. Funny every time.
1: Yeah. So I found this place. It was a. It actually used to be a hotel, uh-huh. but they converted it into uh, apartments. So I had lived in basically it was like a hotel room, but it was,
0: it so was hubble. a hubble.
1: Yeah, it was a one bedroom and it was seven hundred dollars a month.
0: High class lean to. <laughs> so you, you find this place before you leave, you fly. So did you have that moment where you get you, at some point you get off a bus and you see the, the welcome to the jungle shit?
1: No, the welcome to the jungle thing. it's it, that's a real thing. But when you're getting off the, the highway down to going to town, there's like a big, long turn. Uh-huh. And on that, it's a curved wall. And it does say, welcome to the jungle on there. So, yeah, when I was on the blue van coming from the airport to the apartment building, you drove right past it. And I was like, oh, I'm finally here. I've made it. There I am.
0: Okay. So you're, you're, in, uh, you're in the big city from your uh, humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. You've got your apartments. Uh, so how long were you in uh, Los Angeles altogether?
1: It's a couple years. Seems like an entire lifetime, but yeah.
0: So you crashed and burned fast. Okay, so. (laughs) Thank you. You're in Los Angeles.
1: That is the kind of support I was looking for.
0: (laughs) You're in Los Angeles. You're in a hovel.
1: I feel so much better with that kind of (laughs) compassion (laughs) and understanding. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And accuracy. And, and, And
1: okay, and accuracy. There you go. You know what? You need a rim shot. That's what you need.
0: All right. So you're in Los Angeles. You're, you're living the dream. What did you do to, uh, to make a living?
1: Well, the first job I got was working at the Chinese Theater. Man's? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the other one.
0: <laughs> All right. And so what, what did you do there?
1: I worked in the gift shop out front.
0: Selling tchotchkes?
1: Yeah, and and I had to learn uh, Japanese. Why the sayings? Because they were all at that time. It was all Japanese tourists. Konnichiwa. Yeah, Kanichiwa, um There was a point where I could count to a hundred in Japanese and like give them change all while speaking Japanese, and they were all fascinated by that. D-
0: did Did not- you do the the um, dirty knees? Look at these. Did you do that for the tourists as well?
1: No, because that's offensive, and I'm not. There.
0: I was just curious. Well,
1: I was a ambassador to America because they
0: were... <laughs> <laughs> so this was way back in the time when everybody thought that uh, Japan was going to own the United States.
1: Yeah, these dumbasses would come in there, buy $600 worth of Marilyn Monroe keychains, and they would literally pull out wads of American cash and just hand it to you, like you're supposed to know what, you know, like because they didn't understand what you're supposed to do with. Because at the time, the I remember the yen was something crazy, like for every yen equaled like six or seven American dollars.
0: All right. So these people were rolling in cash the second they showed up. So they didn't know what the exchange rate was.
1: No, they were getting all kinds of money, and they were just handing it to you. I used to think, you, sh- you should not be walking around like that, because somebody's going to jack you.
0: So, um, how many of them did you uh, rob forcibly?
1: Uh, none. Thank oh, you. all right.
0: Okay. Want okay. to make sure.
1: That's a that kind of show. So.
0: <laughs> okay, so you're at the uh, Chinese Theater. That's how lo-
1: a different kind of show.
0: <laughs> how long did you work there?
1: Uh, I worked there for a while.
0: Do you put that on your resume?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, well, what happened is I, I was going to go home for Christmas, uh-huh. and I didn't even want to go. My mother was, like, forcing me to, you know, eh, we haven't seen you. You have to come home for Christmas. I told my boss that at the time. Some woman who re- literally did nothing unless her psyche told her it was okay. She said no because it wasn't. I hadn't earned enough vacation. I was like, I don't need you to earn a vacation. I'm going home. So, of course, then I lost my job. And I wish I hadn't because that was an easy gig. See, so you're skipping over so many wonderful little memories of watching somebody get murdered.
0: What, what am I skipping over?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: All right. So uh, did these murders take place while you were working at uh, Man's Chinese Theater?
1: No, they did not. I hadn't been in Hollywood two weeks. I had literally been there maybe six or seven days. It was the night of the lunar eclipse.
0: She named the night. Uh-huh.
1: And because I'm a rube and I just got to, to oh. Hollywood, I didn't know that you couldn't see the sky.
0: From the smog? Because of, and yeah, and because the light pollution.
1: The and the pollution and all that other crap, right? All right. I'm in the back parking lot behind the Hollywood Wax Museum, okay? There is a little alley there that goes down to the street. And I'm walking out there, looking at the sky, gawking at the sky on one side, trying to see the, try to see the moon. And I look over and across the alley on sitting on that little L fence where these two guys that were about, they were about my age, I think, sitting there talking, smoking a cigarette. So I walked over there and I said, hey, man, have you seen the moon? And of course, they looked at me like I was on something. And I said, no, you know, today's the the lunar eclipse. I wanted to see the moon. They're like, no. And they they were laughing at me. (laughs) You know, I'm a tourist. I'm walking around. I don't, you know, there's no sky. You can't see anything. And in the peripheral vision, I see this van driving up the street in my direction. So I said, well, let me get across the street because I want to go over here and look around this corner. So I crossed the alleyway where the van came up and I hear this pop, 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 like loud firecrackers. And I turn around and the van is screeching off in one direction. And then there was a motor guy on a motorcycle screeching off in the other direction, right? And those two guys were lying flat on their back on the ground. And I was like, holy mackerel. And you go over there because you don't know what, you, what you're looking at or what's happening. And one kid is clutching his gut and he's kind of moaning real bad. And he's kind of like rolling back and forth. The other one is laying flat on his back. His arms are like spread out and he's not moving. And I swear to you, his face was gone. He had his whole face blown off.
0: That'll really crush your smile.
1: Yeah. So people are screaming, and somebody said the cops are coming, the cops are coming. And then you see these two cops walking up the hill from the the Hollywood Boulevard. They're walking like they're going on a Sunday walk. (laughs) They're drinking coffee. They're making small talk with each other like, hey, what are you going to do this weekend? That kind of shit. They have no care whatsoever about what's going on. The cops come up and they start going, hey, everybody back up, back up. The one that had this face gone that was clearly dead, he kicked him in the leg and said, eh, this one's gone. And then they, t- they kicked the other one that was moaning. And they said, listen to me, stick your finger in the hole. They never bent down. They never did anything. They literally just said, stick your finger in the hole. You know, somebody's coming to help you.
0: Did they specify which hole?
1: Well, I'm, no, that was guessing the bullet hole.
0: <laughs> he put his thumb right up his ass.
1: He looks at me and he goes, hey, dumbass, get get out, get back. And I'm like, why? And he goes, you're standing in the blood. There was so much blood it had pooled out to the point I was standing in it where I was looking at him. I must have been in some kind of weird shot because, I, well, I mean, i would never seen anybody get murdered before. It was so bizarre. And I was like, oh, shit, I, you know, I'm standing in it. I'm not going to get out of here.
0: Did you no. go, Well golly?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like doing. I felt like Gomer pal. So anyway, a couple of days later I was calling my mom just to, you know, say hello, that kind of thing. And I went, Yo, oh, hey, by the way, guess what happened to me, you know? <laughs> she did not take it well. She I wonder why. It. Yeah. She really flipped out. Oh my god, you're gonna get killed. Uh, I said, man, if I, you know, and I did just talking because was, it was such a weird experience. I said, you know, if I hadn't crossed the street when I did, they would have shot me. <laughs> and then I hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, you know, I do have to worry about it. Don't worry, man. Eh, that's life, baby. You know.
0: It's life in the fast lane. <laughs> yeah. You should see in my hovel. There, there is no
1: sense of law and order there once the sun goes down. Or at least it wasn't back then,
0: uh, it's, and uh,
1: the L.A. cops were like stormtroopers. They didn't play around. They were not. I, they were not particularly friendly, and they they did not mess around. I was walking. I was standing on the street corner, trying to wait and across the street. I don't know where I was going, but uh, there was a cop stand on the corner, and he goes. He looked at me and he goes, "Where are you from?" Because nobody from Hollywood. Nobody in Hollywood is from Hollywood.
0: Because all right, mm-hmm. makes sense.
1: Yeah. So he goes, "Wait for it." I said, "I'm from D.C." And he goes. Oh, okay. You don't get in trouble, do you? And I'm like, what? I'm, no, I don't get in trouble. And he goes, that's good. A guy your size, I would just shoot you first and then find out what you were doing. <laughs> just being very casual about it. I'm like, oh well, that's uh, a that's, that's good
0: to know. That's an excellent warning.
1: I will keep that in mind when yes. the next time I rob a bank.
0: That's uh, that was somebody looking out for you, really. That yeah. gave you great advice.
1: He did. He did. He was doing me a favor because. Uh, they, don't, they didn't hesitate back then.
0: All right. So, you, so uh, that was very early in your time there in uh, Los Angeles. But you were there for, for a couple of years. Yes. I believe you had a job at a bookstore.
1: I did. I worked at the uh, B. Dalton Books. All right. Yeah, B. Dalton Books. I worked there on Hollywood Boulevard.
0: So what, did you, what was your job there?
1: Cashier, you know, clerk or whatever you want to call it.
0: So you weren't like moseying about uh, offering up suggestions. You're strictly at the cash register. Barely literate.
1: Whatever it is I was supposed to be doing, I guarantee you I wasn't doing it.
0: <laughs> you were concentrating on counting to a hundred in Japanese. You couldn't, <laughs> no, that
1: was after the Chinese theater, so I didn't I'd already forgotten that part.
0: Couldn't be bothered with uh
1: No, of course not.
0: With uh yeah. reminiscing yes. with your literacy. So did you have any uh special uh customers there? The the manager
1: that worked there. Uh, had the policy that if, as long as they weren't causing trouble, she would let the bums hang out in the store.
0: What could go wrong?
1: Well, most of the time there wasn't. But there was this one homeless guy. He must have been easily seven feet tall if he was. He had the wild hair and the wild beard, you know, they like unkempt and all that kind of crap. He was super tall. I mean, he was like pencil thin. So being that tall, you know, walking around, he would like move his arms weird, look like a spider. Uh Right? Uh-huh. And he used to come in and go straight to the Bible section, <laughs> grab a Bible, hold it upside down, and go, blah, 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 and start screaming real loud like he was reading this thing upside down.
0: Was he speaking in tongues?
1: Yeah, just screaming, uh, mump, gibberish. Yeah, sure. What he, what he was trying to do, he was scaring the tourists. And he called. Well, me. anyway, because it was scare the tourists, the woman that ran the place, she came to me and she says, look, when this guy comes back in, you have to throw him out.
0: Uh, yeah not her you uh, yeah me
1: and i'm like why me well you're the biggest one in here he's not gonna tell do anything to you so uh he comes in and he starts going ah, blah, 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 into the, at the
0: bibles <laughs> keep it down jackass
1: <laughs> yeah and she's looking at me and i'm like all right let me go over here so i go over there and i said listen man you, you gotta stop you scaring people <laughs> He starts making these noises and i'm like okay i said
0: i get it no, that's enough. What did you get? <laughs> it's just,
1: it's, I, I get, you know, I don't know.
0: I'm in just, on the scam, I'm, dude.
1: That's it. I'm, 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 I'm listening. I'm not done listening to nonsense. It's just, it's enough with this, yeah. right? So he, he like cocked his head over, real weird, looking down at me, and he's going, "I'm gonna get you, man." And I said, oh, "Okay." <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to I'm trying to work with you. Knock <laughs> it off.
0: That always works. It's, the knock it off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just enough, like your dad. <laughs> yeah, just stop. <laughs> knock I'm it not off. afraid. I'm not. Okay, you had your fun. Now shut the fuck up or get out. I don't want to hear any more from you. Oh, okay. And then he went, And then he left. And I was like, okay. See, finally
0: somebody he just talked him sense into. No talking sense. He understood that, that you yeah. knew it was a game and he stopped playing the game. Right. So after
1: that, if the manager wasn't around, then I would let him do his thing. Because I, I amusing. Care, right? It was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just was amusing to me. And if the manager was there, then I would say, oh, okay. Manager's here, you, you know to fuck off, and then he, he would just leave. So one day I'm standing up there, and all of a sudden, I start hearing, ew, ew, and all these ladies start coming out, and I'm like, what's going on? And then, of course, the next thing you see is a bum walking out of that back room, and what is he doing?
0: I have an idea.
1: Oh, no. Went back in the corner and crapped on the carpet.
0: When you have to go, you have to go.
1: And then used the book he was looking at to rip a page out. And wipe his butt with it.
0: The book is just uh, toilet paper with words on it. Apparently. <laughs> because that's what it was used for.
1: And I go around the corner and I was like, oh! You know, I'm...
0: You were Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, that's exactly what right. I was oh! He needed the, the money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I come back around.
0: Next time on Shut Up, I'm Talking.
1: And I remember thinking, this is the most vulgar human being I've ever met.
0: Why was that?
1: Because everything was nasty. Everything was just cussing to cuss. And every time a girl in the party said something, he would look over like he was really concerned. And he would say, maybe you're not as fresh as you should be. (laughs) And she would go, what? And then she would go, why don't you go clean the funk at your pussy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's practical advice.
1: It is. Now, I thought it was funny, but it was so vulgar. Just really over the top.
0: Have you ever given that advice to anybody in your own life?
1: Uh, no. Maybe
0: to my ex-wife. I don't know.
1: So, this is what he's telling. He's not just saying it one time. He's telling every single woman in there.
0: The one-trick pony is what you're saying.
1: Exactly. Like, that's his big gag. And everyone should be laughing hysterically at someone saying, go clean the funk catch your pussy.
0: Do you know if any of the women he advised, did they actually clean the funk out of their pussies? I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, maybe he had something going. Maybe he knew.
1: Maybe he knew. Something I not I don't know. He had a nose for a uh, stink.
0: I'm Larry King, and this is a Larry King Minute. Tonight, the story of Willa Cather award-winning novelist and acclaimed poet, from her humble beginnings to the height of literary success, and a poem that changed the world. Every word of this is her true story, even the part about venereal disease. Born in Gore, Virginia, in 1873, Willa Cather took to poetry at a very young age. She began work on what would become her best-known poem, Milk, Milk Lemonade, almost immediately upon learning to talk. From a handwritten note dated December 23, 1876 and considered by historians to be the official first draft, a three-year-old Willa wrote Moo Moo Pee Poo. It took Willa Cather 13 drafts to perfect what would become her poetic masterpiece. Thirteen drafts over eight painstaking years. Originally commissioned to raise money for the foundation of the Statue of Liberty, Willa Cather read her acclaimed poem at the statue's dedication in 1886.
1: lemonade, around the corner,
0: Later in her career, she turned the poem into a nightclub act, involving song, dance, a donkey, and ping-pong balls. An early phonographic recording of Cather's nightclub show, Showers of Gold, survives in the archives of the Library of Congress. This may be coming from the front hall, boys, but it ain't no lemonade. Cather's poem would later be adapted by the New York State Department of Health to promote awareness of venereal disease. So remember, milk, milk, lemonade, around the corner, fudge is made. If there's bleeding, discharge or pus, to the doctor, go you must. Later known for her Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, One of Ours, Willa Cather published three collections of poetry. April Twilights, Fought Fought, Shot, and Two in the Pink, One in the Stink. In her later years, Willa moved to New York City, where she continued to write highly successful novels and compulsively engage in high-risk sex with male prostitutes. Willa Cather died on April 24, 1947, after a lengthy battle with gonorrhea. Her last words were, Stinky Pinky. On a personal note, I saw her nightclub act as a young man. Her act really lived up to its name. And that donkey certainly earned his keep. This has been a Larry King Minute.